I believe in miracles. <laughs> Where are you from? Yes, that's a thing. Search a thing. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I am Kenna. I am Kowell. And Kenna. Kenna. Again. Always. <laughs> still sick over here. <laughs> Welcome back to Diagnosing a Killer. Yeah. Killer, killer. Okay. I know. Mm. That coffee. I know. I was just about to say that. This is coffee. <laughs> The coffee. I feel like my teeth are jittering. Jittering. <laughs> oh, like that, oh, I like that. Uh, 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 <laughs> like, when you were like... When you're like, when you're walking towards somebody, but you don't know which way to go, and you're like, I always like back and forth. <laughs> I don't know, I just of that. The white side of me always goes, "It was lovely dancing with you." Oh but my I'm... god! <laughs> Shit, white people say that's so funny. <laughs> All right, I think we are getting back into Randy Craft Part Two today. Part Two. So yeah, we did gonna... go over the you know his kills and when. He ultimately got caught, and I think we're yeah. talking about the trial. So, yeah, the first episode was mostly all victims. Mm. I mean, it's... It was a doozy of yeah, victims. Yeah, for sure. It I hope everybody a hefty list. I hope everybody enjoyed our little blooper reel at the end. Uh, just some <laughs> harmless bloopers, but that was such a heavy episode. I think that everybody that <laughs> stayed through it deserved that little bit of comedic relief. It was good. It's funny to hear all of those things in a compilation. Right. And I, I was thinking for some reason, I like to fantasize about like our future fans, like asking <laughs> us things or talking to us. And I was thinking how funny would it be if we didn't do any editing one time and just played the entire clip like the way that it is. Because I yeah. edit a lot. Like I edit like the pauses. I edit the ums. I edit a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that we don't, you know, it's hard when you're talking for an hour to not mess up. Right. And so it would be funny to see it or to hear it, you know, from them. Because from their perspective, we sound perfect, right? Like, if the information comes out correctly, it comes out, it's pronounced correctly and stuff. <laughs> but we're over here, like, Googling stuff sometimes. Rooflin. Like, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, Rooflin, exactly. <laughs> um, so I think it would be funny, maybe, you know, one day. Maybe for, like, a b- mental breakdown, something short. But, yeah, <laughs> if I didn't edit at all and yeah. just posted that. So. <laughs> it is kind of funny to think that there's... I lost my train of thought. <laughs> that it's never one take. Yeah. Oh, never. It's never one take. Never. And then when you hear like other podcasts, like you know that they're doing just as much editing as we are, but sure. you'll never know, you yeah. know? And I think sometimes I can catch it like when I hear something that probably should have been left mm-hmm. in there and it was, I was like, oh, they didn't do that. <laughs> Get it. You got it. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Anyways. Randy Craft. Yes, when we last left off, Randy Kraft was pulled over for mm. suspicion of driving while intoxicated, mm, yes. and that's when they found Terry Lee Gambrel, who had been murdered in, in the passenger seat. Imagine being that cop. Ugh. Like, you're pulling someone over thinking, okay, this drunk idiot is just whatever, He's, and then you find a literal corpse in yeah, the passenger seat. You think it's a drunk guy driving is even more drunker friend exactly. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't imagine so scary. that poor thing. So Kraft was initially charged with driving while under the influence, Mm -hmm. and he was held in custody as detectives conducted a pretty thorough search of his vehicle. Yeah. 
So in the rear seat of the car, investigators actually found a belt where the width itself was consistent with the ligature marks that were on Gambrel's neck. Wow. So straight up, like, right there, murder weapon. Very clear evidence. Doi. Yeah. Dummy. <laughs> Doi. So other incriminating evidence also included, of course, like the alcohol that he supplied his victims with, mm-hmm. but there were also tranquili- tranquilizers, various prescription drugs, and different types of, like, stimulants. Again, how many doctors does this guy have that are just prescribing him Valium? Because he know. has a lot of Valium. It makes me wonder if he didn't just use, like, an alternate name oh, or I'm something, sure like an alias, I'm and then sure went to multiple doctors, which is honestly something that nobody touched as far as the research that I did. Mm-hmm. So if anybody does know the answer to that, yeah, if he was ever charged for any type of forgery or anything like that, Probably. that would be interesting. I mean, it was a hell of a lot easier to get away with that stuff in the 70s yeah. than it is now. So the passenger seat and the carpet, like, on the floorboards, mm-hmm. was completely covered in blood. Oh. However, Gambrel didn't have an open wound on him. Oh. So it's older. So this guy's just been, like, hoarding this, like, yeah. festering blood. So I his... guess he n- never once got pulled over at all, and that was ever suspicious to anybody. Oh, like but his car smelled Could you really imagine? Bad. Yeah, I was going to say, can you imagine, like hitching a ride from this guy and then you're just like you're in the passenger seat and there's blood all over it well you know to the to the untrained eye that could look like like anything you know or something i have so bad i popped a pimple in front of my little (laughs) in front of my little mirror when i was sitting down by my front my my bedroom door the other day and i was wiping the blood on the carpet in front of me because i was like whatever and (laughs) casey was like it's so fucking gross (laughs) it looks like Chocolate now. Like, it's like chocolate. <laughs> it's like a chocolate stain. I'm like, no one would ever know that this is my blood. <laughs> this is my blood. That's so gross. If you ever need it for anything, right? there it is. There's there it your is. DNA sample. So the upholstery was eventually removed by forensic analysis. <laughs> the upholstery... <laughs> the upholstery was removed by forensic... Fr- fr- <laughs> 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 so anyways, the upholstery... <laughs> You know, yeah, literally. The upholstery. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Stop. I can't. The upholstery. The, <laughs> the upholstery was removed by the The upholstery from the fifth team. Bone apple tea. Bone up the teat. Too much coffee. Yeah. That's why I'm giggly. I think my brain is breaking. The upholstery was removed by the forensics team, and it was confirmed that it was human blood. Doi. Nobody has to tell me that, right? So beneath the carpet, after the removal, the investigators had discovered an envelope that contained more than 50 photographs of young men in sexually suggestive positions. What a horrific thing to find. Yeah. 50 images under the floorboard yeah it was what under a- like i guess maybe like under the mat or like he tucked yeah. it in there somewhere what a fucking creep but, like you just carry that shit around like, like ew yeah <gasps> ew what if he like oh no what if he like showed that to them before oh my god sorry many of the subjects in the pictures appeared to be either asleep or dead and inside the trunk investigators found a binder that contained 61 handwritten like coded notations in the binder so this was his scorecard 61. 61 coded notations. That's what, yeah. That is, like, nauseating. And that's why they say, like, on his thing, it's, like, 16 to 7, 67 or whatever, yeah. like, on his little bio. <laughs> on his bio. Like, yeah. he's, <laughs> like, he's famous. He's on Plenty of Fish. 
on his bio, 16 to 67 murder victims because they found this binder. Yeah. And m- most of them, or some of them, were corroborated through just known victims. Oh so that's why they take every single one so seriously. I, like, I, I'm glad I can't put myself there. But, like, I don't know what I would do if I found a dead body let alone yeah. taking photos and, like, driving around. It's a human being that yeah. you murdered. Mm-hmm. He has ceased to exist because of your dick ass. Yeah. Like, and then you're just going to take photos of it for leisure? Like, for fucking for fun. pleasure? Like, oh, yeah. that grosses me the fuck out. So, later, a search of Cross Home revealed further incriminating evidence. Clearly, they're like, oh, look at this evidence. We should probably go take a look at this guy's home life. Wow. Good thing. <laughs> California PD doing something. Doing something, finally. <laughs> So, again, a a search of Kraus' home revealed that um, he had clothes and certain personal possessions of numerous victims. Like, the house itself was evidence. Like, he had so much shit. So, fibers taken from a rug at Kraus' house was consistent with fibers that was actually found on Scott Hughes, one of his victims. Wow. In addition to the couch that was in Kraus' living room Mm -hmm. that you know a few pictures were taken on, Mm -hmm. right? Um, it was clear that, like, that was the couch that was in most of the photographs. Yeah, I mean, you can't get more... Like, you're a dumbass. (laughs) But that's clearly evidence that will be used against you. (laughs) There's no way around that. So a roll of film was actually discovered in the house as well that contained still frames of Eric Church and Roger Duvall. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were actually taken in Kraft's car. Okay. So one of these images, um, a ligature mark, was actually visible on Duvall's neck. So it was likely that he was deceased when the picture was taken. He's like, here's literal evidence of me murdering people. Yeah. So the scorecard itself was a, so it was a binder, and it was, like I said, it contained coded notations, Mm -hmm. 61 of them. And they're all references that are written in, like very precise and clear handwriting okay so to me when i like hear that it's like clearly written out it means that like he wasn't writing these down in a panicked manner he wasn't writing them down in like a like a disheveled or like a manic way no he was very much enjoying exactly and remembering what was happening super in control so again they were found in the trunk of his car and they're believed to refer to each one of his victims Many entries appear innocuous at first, but each one is believed to be referring to specific murder victims or Mm -hmm. double murders. Several entries clearly reference victims' names. For example, the entry reading EDM refers to the initials of the victim Edward Daniel Moore. Mm -hmm. So EDM. Or Vince M, which refers to Vince Mistis. Mm -hmm. In other instances, though, entries indicate torture or mutilation inflicted upon the victims um, or in the ways that they were last left by him, I guess. Okay. So the entry that it, 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 there's an entry that says Marine Head BP. And that is believed to be referred to as Mark Marsh, who was a Marine. He was found decapitated, which is in the reference to the head. Mm -hmm. It's a Marine head and then BP since he had been hitchhiking in Buena Park when he went missing. Wow. So it's very, like, like there's no way around it. Like, he's referring specifically yeah. to these crimes. Like, it's very personal to him. Yeah. And it and doesn't it seem sound... strange, because these people are not people that he knows. Like, usually when you see personal killings like that or personal, you know, relations, like, when you're relating it personally to the murder, it's somebody that you know and you or you've known for a long time or you care for I just feel like it's such an odd trophy. And then for you to be so specific... Yeah. 
it's not coincidental that that means something. Yeah, like, and the fact marine that Marine he... head BP yeah. is clearly a Marine. One of the only, I mean, the only victim that I've heard of to be decapitated. And then the Buena Park thing. Like, yeah. clearly that is in reference to Mark Marsh. Yeah, of course. And the fact that, like, it, I feel like it makes it worse because it shows that he, like, took the time to get to know these things about these people. Right. Like, you wouldn't know this guy was a Marine unless he was literally in his uniform. Like, you would have had to have a conversation with that guy about it. Or the other things, like... Date. Uh, yeah, dog. Date, exactly. Like, he was going to find his dog or going on a date. Or he came on a date with his girlfriend. Like, you would not know that unless they told you. So right. that means that you're a fucking asshole that... I mean, he's already an asshole, but he took the time to get to know these little details about these people and yeah. then used it as a reference point. Like, fuck you. Right. So the only other entries, really, besides the ones that are, like, more specific, either by name or by what had happened to them, is their dump locations. So Golden Sales, for example, would refer to Craig Genitus that was found mm -hmm. at the motel. So the list also contains entries indicating a minimum of four double murders. So we know about the Grand Rapids 2, the mm -hmm. GR2, right? Yeah. That is Dennis Alt and Christopher Schoenborn. The cousins. Yeah, the yeah. cousins. So they were last seen in Grand Rapids, of course. We know that. The two-in-one beach refers to victims Joffrey Nelson and Roger Duvall. Mm -hmm. However, two-in-one hitch and two-in-one MV to PL are entries that are noted in the book. However, there's never been any disappearances linked to those. And he's an asshole that didn't tell them about it. No, of course not. Yeah. Like, why would he? Well, sometimes, you know, they like to take credit. They're like, oh, well there's four more bodies in this part of town. Whatever. They'll yeah. like say it because they're narcissistic right. as fuck. So those are the only four that are, again, that are a minimum, at least. Yes. Those are the ones that say two and one or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Or reference to victims. Yeah. So they can definitively say these are the people. But the, again, those other two entries, they've never had any um, specific double murder or disappearance that's ever been linked yeah. to those. Which I thought was interesting. So on Kraft's scorecard, there's actually two murders that he was convicted of eventually, which mm -hmm. was Church and Gambrel. However, they weren't on his scorecard. They weren't noted on there. They weren't noted on there at oh. all. So there's a possibility that investigators just didn't figure out all of the codes related to specific yeah. victims. Like, maybe something that he knew or experienced that the investigators just didn't put two mm -hmm. and two together. Um, but in Gambrel's case, it's probably because he didn't get to that point because he was caught in the yeah. car with him. Mm -hmm. So considering what we know that Gambrel probably isn't in his scorecard and specific victims that they've just tallied and were able to link that they said that there's a possibility of him having 65 to 67 victims. Jesus Christ. That's literally like, I, like I can't even. Sorry. That's my eighth grade graduating class. I was going to say that's like, <laughs> yeah. That's, like, a classroom in, full of people in a college. Like, yeah. that's a shitload of people. Right. So, on May 16th, 1983, two days after he was pulled over mm -hmm. for a suspected DUI, Kraft was formally charged with the murder of Terry Lee Gambrell. Mm -hmm. And by September 8th, 1983, investigators had interviewed over 700 witnesses and gathered more than 250 pieces of physical evidence, which pointed to Kraft Holy as committing crap. these murders. And they're like, oh... <clears throat> this is the guy that we've just been kind of, like, beating around the bush, yeah. and, like, not really looking for. Like, mm -hmm. oh, my God. So they officially only really linked him to 15 other homicides besides Gambrel. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's a fraction of what he's yeah, done. Yeah, of course. And that's a really big bummer for, like, the other 
you know, the other victims, too. Like, you want to see him convicted of every single one that he, right. you know, c- uh, committed. So this is all between December 1972 and February 1983, okay. f- 15, that they can definitively say this was the guy. That's, so, so um, 11 yeah. years' time mm-hmm. that he was murdering. Right. That's ridiculous. Probably longer. Yeah, and of course, there's more people in between that. But yeah. Again, that's the only ones that they have, like, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So he was formally charged with 15 murders in addition to two counts of sodomy and one of emasculation. Because, again, this is the only ones, which you know was a significant MO for him. Of course. So the victims that he was charged with at this time were Edward Moore, Kevin Bailey, Ronnie Weeb, Keith Crotwell, Mark Hall, Scott Hughes, Roland Young, Richard Keith, Keith Klingbell, Michael Interbitten, Donald Crystal. Robert Loggins, Eric Church, Roger Duvall, Jeffrey Nelson, and Terry Lee Gambrell. That took you 15 to 20 seconds to say all of that, and that's like a quarter of the amount of people that he killed. That should really, really say something. It does really say something. It does, yeah. Yeah, it also gives their ages and then the dates that they believe the crimes occurred as well. Um, And like, yeah, not even that far apart from each other. Yeah, there's a literally an eight-day difference between Roland Young and Richard Keith. That is... I mean, that's how back-to-back this is. That's outrageous to me. So, Kraft's trial began September 26, 1988, and he was tried in Orange County before Judge Donald A. McCartan. Mm-hmm. So, at the trial, almost 160 witnesses were called to testify on behalf of the prosecution, and over 1,000 exhibits were introduced as evidence. Wow. That's a lot of fucking evidence. That's a long trial. That's... It's a long trial, Yeah. <laughs> These exhibits included physical evidence such as bloodstains, hair, and fiber evidence that was found at Kraft's house and in his car. Fingerprints were found on the glass shards from the Hall Mm -hmm. murder, as well as negatives and photographs of victims that were, like, hidden all over his vehicle. God, imagine being on that jury. Yeah. It wasn't just in the floorboard. I mean, like, all over his car was scattered, the stuff, and his house. Again, the photographs depicted either the men were dead, drugged, or maybe asleep. The belt that was used to strangle... Gambrel and the prescription drugs, the buck knife, and the other stuff that was found inside of his vehicle at the time that Gambrel was found. Other evidence included his work schedules, like mm-hmm. his travel records, gasoline, okay. receipts, things mm-hmm. like that, that place him at certain times, certain areas. Okay. Um, so they basically could just find him through a paper trail. Pretty much. Like, oh, hey, like, you're a dummy. Yeah, well, it's really good that they had all this <clears throat> extra evidence. It might have seemed like, you know, a overkill of, like, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. of information but that's yeah. really shedding light on just how terrible this guy is and they're right. like we're not going to leave, leave any room for doubt in the jury yeah <laughs> like, for sure and so basically all of this paper trail or this paperwork showed is that he was either in places where somebody had been abducted mm-hmm. or were at the sites of like the dump locations yeah but the defense was like well <laughs> sorry dude right <laughs> best we can do is try to let them not kill you like, yeah the icing on the cake, though, was definitely the fact that he had personal possessions of various mm-hmm. victims in his oh, house yeah. and in his car. Idiot. It's funny that you mentioned the defense team, because at this point, the defense team is like, hey, this guy, Randy Kraft, has, like, been in the military. He served for your country. Mm. He is a, you know, a great student. Like, he was really studious growing up. He was a really hard worker. You know, all these really great things about him. It's like, he's a really articulate stand-up dude. Like, there's no way that this guy, a pillar of the community... Could be this way, right? Mm. They didn't dispute that, like, these men had been murdered, but they did dispute that Kraft was the one that didn't do it. And the defense attorney says, quote, there are victims of someone, but it is not Randy Kraft. 
Okay. Yeah. A plus for effort. So defense had pointed out that several of the 16 victims that he was being tried for had initially been believed by investigators to have been killed by one of two other serial killers, which are Patrick Kearney and William Bonham. William Bonham. I was just going to say, yeah. it's probably William Bonham that they were talking yeah. about. Yeah. They were both known, of, of course, well, we know, but yeah. audience might not, that um, they were both technically what you would consider like a highway or a freeway killers. Yeah. yeah. They all three at one point were dubbed <clears throat> as the freeway killer. Yeah. And I think William Bonham is, like, the actual free... Like, he's, like, the main guy, I yeah. guess. <laughs> sounds stupid, but... Um, and the other guys were, like... Randy Kraft was, um... He was like, no, I don't like that nickname. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. and the school and car killer. Kearney yeah. was yeah. not... I think he was... Maybe he was also a freeway killer. Yeah, I think either way, yeah. Doesn't but there was... Matter. Yeah. They're all pieces of shit. Yeah, they're <laughs> all dummies. Garbage. <laughs> so the defense attorneys, of course, like I said, they argued that there was no concrete evidence that Kraft had killed any of these victims, that they were probably victims of these other serial killers. But there was. Two out of three ain't bad. L- literally, <laughs> yeah. like... There was concrete evidence. Right. Homeboy had the ligature mark around his neck with the same width as the they belt just, in the back seat. They just happened to plant all of this stuff and then specifically create an M.O. that was specific to Randy Kraft yeah. just to, like, frame him. And they did this for 11 years, and they strategically planted evidence for 11 years. Who does Randy Kraft think he is? Literally. He's so important, and he needs to be He's framed for murder. He's a narcissistic fuck. Murder. That's what they do. They think they can get away with anything because they're fucking narcissists the trial lasted for a total of 13 months and it would be the most expensive trial in orange county history yeah again imagine being on that jury for 13 months and having oh my god that would really fuck you up so much evidence so on april 29th 1989 closing arguments were made and it lasted a total of three days for closing arguments oh my god it's like (laughs) i can just imagine it being like and the ju- jury, this is why. Time's up. All right, see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting and... into the... Scene. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> break, break for lunch. Yeah, break for lunch. Break, break or for the night. Break for... Yeah. <laughs> so the prosecution, again, listed all the physical and circumstantial evidence pointing to Kraft's guilt. Mm-hmm. So the defense, of course, was arguing that everything was circumstantial, and the prosecutors claimed that Kraft killed all of the victims was unfounded, which is dumb. Yeah. So following the closing arguments, the jury deliberated for a total of 11 days. Oh my god. Why would they deliberate at all? This you know, fuck is guilty. I don't... It's probably because there's 16 counts. You know what That's I mean? That's true. So at least 16 counts of murder. And then the two sodomy and then the one emasculation. So yeah. they have to debate on every single that's point. true i don't it might not have been a hung jury but still like that's yeah. a long time to deliberate yeah. it's, you know it's, it's so much you're right though it's so much information it's so much information that they have to like sift through and yeah. then come to an agreement on every count i hope no one in that jury was like mm, i don't know i think it's that kearney guy might have been bonnet <laughs> might have been bonnet <laughs> So on May 12, 1989, Kraft was found guilty of 16 counts of murder, one count of sodomy, and one count of emasculation. So we got almost 100%. So on June 5, 1989, the same jury reconvened to hear further testimony from the prosecution and the defense before sentencing. Okay. So this is after he's already been convicted, but this is for the sentencing. This phase of Kraft's trial would last from pretty much from June to August. Wow. So it's a long... Again, a long process. This point, the prosecution introduced evidence of several additional homicides committed in Oregon and Michigan. Okay. So, again, it wasn't used against him. He couldn't be tried for those, but it's additional evidence towards yeah. saying, like, 
well, these are all of the other things that he's done over here and in that these we states. Speculate, yeah, could have been he's him. still highly dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't let this guy get a non-guilty verdict. Right. So, like again, they can't try him for it, but they can use it as evidence yeah, towards to why, their... yeah, to support what they want as yeah. far as his sentencing. So the defense had dismissed these additional allegations and referred to the prosecution's claim as highly speculative. What? Yeah. Oh, it's just a speculative... What? Highly speculative. So there's some, what like, weight to this. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> it's highly speculative. Yeah, well... Or is it... Does it mean that it's highly suspected? Or do you think it's highly as in, like, it's ridiculous? It's ridiculous is what they're trying uh, to say. Which mm-hmm. I think it's highly speculative that you guys are freaking trying to say that he's gu- not guilty. I know I that's their super, job. No, that's sus. That's yeah. sus. That's sus. Soup's cash. Soup's sus. cash. <laughs> so the defense also introduced testimony relating to a PET scan mm-hmm. conducted on Kraft in which they said it revealed abnormalities in the front lobe like, front lobes of his brain. Oh, like so, his frontal well, the frontal lobe. Yeah, they're is saying very that important. the frontal lobe. Um, but of course they had suggested that this may have reduced his ability to control his emotions and his impulses and stuff. Yeah, what right? the fuck ever. Ugh, just a good old defense team. Yeah, there's a Classic lot of people defense. Seriously, there's a lot of people that uh, their frontal lobe's not fully developed. Every single person under the age of 25, mm-hmm. and they don't commit crimes. They don't right. murder people. They don't Fuck murder you. 67 people. Seriously. So the prosecution had retorted by staying, stating to the jury, quote, there's nothing wrong with Mr. Kraft's mind other than the fact that he likes to kill for sexual satisfaction. Boom. End quote. They also added to the fact that his family and friends had found it very difficult to believe he had committed any of the murders, and it simply showed what the prosecution considered, that he was a really good salesman. Wow. Yeah. So on August 11th, 1989, the jury had rendered a verdict of death for his sentencing. Nice. So Judge Donald A. McCartan, like we said, uh, Judge McCartan, that I'll refer to him from that point on, or this point on, which he's only going to be mentioned like two more times. (laughs) (laughs) But Judge McCartan had passed the death penalty sentence upon Randy Kraft, um, two months later, in November 29th, 1889. I'm sorry, 1889. <laughs> Whoa. He's a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> November 29th, 1989. Mm. Um, that was two months after the verdict of death by the jury. Yeah. Judge McCartan said about the trial and the verdict, quote, to have something like this take place in our society, I think I've sent maybe eight or nine individuals to their death in my courtroom before. I can take all those aggravating circumstances in those other cases, and they still don't match Mr. Kraft's record. I just can't comment right now. If anyone deserves the death penalty, he's got it coming. Wish we could kill him twice. Right? Or 67 times. Literally. So the death sentence was later upheld by the California Supreme Court on August 9th, 2000. So that's almost 11 years to the day that the jury came back with their verdict of death. Wow. So as of 2021, Kraft still remains on death row at San Quentin State He's Prison. He's still alive? Sorry, I just screamed. <laughs> this motherfucker is still alive. He still denies responsibility for any of the homicides in which he was either convicted or suspected of committing. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, glad he's rotting. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. However, I'm not- tell me he doesn't have a cushy life. Oh, I don't fucking know. I didn't. I don't care to look up whether or not he has a cushy life. Well, I don't want him to. That's why <laughs> I don't I'm think saying. he does. He's probably like in segregation though, or like isolated yeah. because he's so notorious. I cannot believe he's still alive. How old is he? He's got to be like seventy. He is seventy-six years old. Jesus 
I mean, they should just let him in the general population so that he can get raped every day. 67 times. 67 times. That's so fucking gross. So, interestingly enough, that is where Randy Kraft's life will end. But there's all of these extra speculations. Okay. So both circumstantial and DNA evidence relating to some of Kraft's murders have caused a lot of people to strongly suspect that the murders that are attributed to Kraft aren't just committed by just him. Yes. You were saying earlier that there was, or on the first part, I think we talked about there was two sets of footprints in the sand. Right. Dragging marks. So the prosecution believed that these inconsistencies could only be explained by the presence of an accomplice. Okay. Um, and it is contended that Kraft, uh, given his stature, would have a really hard time looking around a 200-pound deceased person. Because he's a scrawny little bitch or what? Yeah, he's a little scrawny bitch. Well, he looks like a little scrawny bitch. Yeah. I'm he's trying to think about who... Too. I'm trying to think about who he reminds me of. He reminds me of, like, John Locke from Lost if that actor was, like, shorter and thinner. Mm-hmm. So he's got, like, a bald head and, yeah, you know... I mean, I don't know what he looked like in the 70s and 80s. He's but. fuck ugly. And I posted pictures of him on our Instagram. If you watched... If you listened to part one, you've okay. already seen that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah exactly. So to him... to For him to be lugging around corpses, like, you know, or victims. Um, and especially that, but dumping them from moving vehicles. Like, how strong would you have to be... To be driving and then force someone out of a yeah. moving vehicle when you're going, like, 90 or 80 down on the yeah. highway. It seems, like, really implausible for just one person to do. True. It does. So abrasions and debris that were found on some of the at some of the crime scenes, um, like, where bodies had been discarded or along freeways, um, again, they had signs of traveling more than 50 miles an hour. Yeah. So that's really hard for one person to do. So, and then, like you mentioned, the footprints in the sand where John Laris was found at Sunset Beach, um, it indicated that it looked like two people were dragging the body along the sand. Mm -hmm. And in the case of Eric Church, samples of DNA that were found on his body were inconsistent with Kraft's blood type. Oh. Which is, like, huge. Interesting. Very huge. Not to say that Eric Church wasn't maybe with someone that night or whatever before he was murdered. So what's even more interesting is that the photographs that were found in Kraft's car and around his house had to have been processed somewhere. Mm -hmm. So you think, like, this is the 70s, this is the 80s. You took your film to go get processed. Yeah, and people that processed it saw that and were like, okay. Oh, whatever, right? So this also alludes to the fact that someone that he was in contact with knew about dark rooms and knew how to process film okay. at home. And Kraft didn't have any of that knowledge. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and this person obviously knew what he was doing if they were processing these fo- this footage. Right. This footage. Yeah, I would think that, no, just, like, kid that works at a dark room or, like, at a development, film development yeah. store or shop would not say something to police, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. So anyways, during Kraft's trial, members of the prosecution had admitted privately that they didn't charge him with certain murders because they indicated that it would be only possible through an accomplice. Wow. So there's certain murders that they pretty much knew he had committed, but because of the evidence that a second person may be a part of it, that they wouldn't be able to prosecute for those. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So although uh, DNA, the DNA evidence on Church's body didn't wasn't consistent with Crafts, they just left that evidence out, and they chose to focus on the photographs mm-hmm. where Church was sitting on the couch or in the car, I think it was, and then um, some of his personal belongings were also found at Crafts' house. Okay. So they used that evidence to convict yeah. him for Church's murder and just left out the DNA evidence. Okay. Which is interesting. Maybe you'll remember this name, Jeff Graves. Mm-hmm. So that was Kraft's former lover, Jeff Graves. Um, and the prosecution also believes that Kraft was helped by Graves at some point, given the fact that they had been together for like five years. Mm. So during the time that Kraft and Graves were together for that five years, the 1971 to 1976, there's speculation that there was at least 16 other murders that occurred during that time. Okay. Like separate from the ones he was convicted of. Right. So um, he was actually... Being questioned, I think if you remember when Crotwell had been kidnapped and he was there with, like, his friend okay. and then his friend got pushed out yes. of the car, um, Graves was questioned during that and he had said, oh, yeah, Randy was with me all night or whatever and, like, covered mm-hmm. for him and he very verified parts of Kraft's statement. When he, Do you remember when he called and he was like, hey, my car got stuck, yeah. whatever. So he corroborated that and that was in 1975. So later on after Kraft's arrest, Graves was interrogated again, Mm -hmm. and he said, quote, I'm really not going to pay for it, you know. So, meaning, like, he probably knew something, but he'll never go down for it. Oh. Yeah. Well, I was under the impression this guy was, like, a victim in itself, but doesn't really seem like it. Well, and remember when he was being questioned or asked, he said that Kraft had never shown shown signs of aggression or anything like that towards him. Hmm. So, I don't know if he was just, like, inherently scared of him, and he just didn't, he knew maybe what he was capable of. Yeah. Or he knew something and chose to just accept it. No, I don't know. I Either don't know. Way, he's kind of a piece of shit. It's kind <laughs> of like a, like a strange little thing to say. Like, yeah. I'm really not going to pay for it. Like, okay. <laughs> so Graves did die of AIDS on July 27th, 1987. Oh, wow. And at the time of his death, police had been preparing to question him further. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so they he definitely could have yeah been convicted of something right. Wow. In January 2000, journalist Dennis McDougall had published an article in which he interviewed a small-time criminal named Bob Jackson. Okay. And Bob Jackson reportedly confessed to murdering two hitchhikers with Kraft. Okay. Right. So one was in Wyoming in 1975, and the other was in Colorado the following year. So authorities in both. Colorado and Wyoming were unable to, like, determine whether or not that was the truth. So, i.e., they probably never found any victims. There wasn't enough evidence to positively identify one victim or another. Okay. So, Jackson also claimed to McDougal that the Kraft scorecard included only his, quote-unquote, more memorable murders. And so, in his opinion, he thought that Kraft murdered way more than 67. But he just wrote down certain ones. Certain ones that he he wanted to keep as, like, yes. Which, honestly, I don't even think is that far-fetched. It's not. It's really it's not. It's definitely not. Like, this guy just went around willy-nilly. And got away with it and for just, 11 fucking years. Yeah. Like, so McDougal did report these allegations that Jackson made to police and provided mm-hmm. tape recordings of all of the interviews. Okay. Detectives interrogated Jackson and eventually persuaded him to either... <laughs> this is so... To me, this got me. They persuaded him to enter a mental institution. Like, they thought he was crazy. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like, again... They weren't able to corroborate his stories yeah. about Wyoming and Colorado, 
And it was only two, but he said that he knew Kraft well enough that he was like, this person clearly murdered more than these people. Yeah. And instead of taking him seriously, they put him in a mental institution. That's ridiculous. No murder charges were ever filed against him due to absence of direct incriminating evidence. Wow. Even though he confessed. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying every confession is correct. Of course. And I would hope that they did their due diligence and they actually had him evaluated and then offer for him to go into a mental institution. Yeah, they probably did. But this sounds like a, I mean, to me, I don't know. And I don't want to sound like I'm paranoid, but kind of sounds like a little bit of a cover-up. Yeah. Like they're like, we're not going to open up that can of worms, yeah. you know? So Kraft actually sued McDougal and the publisher of Angel of Darkness in 1993 for a previous book that McDougal had written about him. Mm-hmm. He sought $62 million in damages. What are you going to use that money for in prison? <laughs> the suit contended that the book smeared his, quote, good name. Oh! <laughs> not even kidding. The book did that. The book Not the did fact that. that you murdered almost a fucking hundred people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it destroyed his prospects his prospects for a future employment by ruining his chances of overturning his conviction on appeal. The lawsuit was later dismissed by California Supreme Court in June 94. What future employment, you fucking piece of dog shit? You were <laughs> never getting out of fucking prison. He said he was unjustly portrayed as a sick and twisted man. Unjust. <laughs> oh, <I'm> <laughs> Un- you, was, you know what else is fucking unjust? <laughs> the fact that you took the lives of 67 at least young boys yeah. and men. Yeah. Fuck you. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my God. I want someone He's to castrate alive. him. I want <laughs> someone to castrate still him. still alive. <sighs> Dude, that infuriates me. <laughs> so 22 of Kraft's estimated 67 victims have remained um, unrecovered or unidentified, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Yes, very unfortunate. This is due in part to the killings having been occurred in several different states with bodies being discarded in varying locations, especially being outside and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you, uh, just a sidebar here, if you um, are listening and you happen to be connected to anybody that went missing during these time periods in any of these states, uh, you can definitely submit. They take DNA. They couldn't really test it back then, but mm-hmm. they definitely take DNA. And if there's any ident- unidentified victims, uh, you can actually do like a familial match. Um, if it's somebody in your family that, you know, had gone missing, you never got justice or you never knew, you're completely welcome to call them and, and submit your DNA if you're comfortable doing that. Um, to try to get some of these victims identified. Yeah, Because that's very unfortunate. I would hate to, you know, for anybody to not get answers for something that, you know, yeah, uh, they couldn't control. So an entry in Kraft's scorecard read Navy White. And that is okay. believed by investigators to be a 17-year-old man by the name of James Sean Cox. Okay. And he was um, an apprentice at a medic station at Marther Air Force Base. So, of course, that fits the MO. He likes to take Marines. Mm-hmm. And he was last seen on September 29th, 1974. And he was hitchhiking near Interstate 5. And his body was found several weeks later in Rancho Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. And at the time of his disappearance, Cox was dressed in a white Navy uniform. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the color of his uniform, Cox was also blonde. Okay. So Navy white... You know, when you think about what he was wearing. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so another entry on the scorecard simply reads Iowa, and it's believed to refer to an 18-year-old Marine named Oral Alfred Stewart Jr., okay. and he had been born in Iowa. His body was found discarded close to a Long Beach, like, apartment complex mm-hmm. on November 10th in 74. The man died as a result of blunt force trauma, and his body remained unidentified until March 2012. Wow. 
So, 74 to 2012. Wow. Investigators note the MO as being consistent with crafts, mm-hmm. and especially the disposal style, um, which they don't really specify. Mm-hmm. So, the last scorecard entry that may be corroborated with a victim that went missing is Harikari. This entry might refer to a stabbing um, of 30-year-old David Michael Sant. He was found sexually assaulted and stabbed to death close to a vacant house on Long Beach in January of 75. So the multiple stab wounds were all inflicted in the stomach, Mm -hmm. which was interesting. Um, And he was actually found in a kneeling position with his arms extended in front of him. Weird. In a position of, like, that was reminiscent of what the Japanese called harikiri Mm -hmm. or seppuku, which is, like, a Japanese suicide ritual. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's one of the the last ones that they suspect was his. Yeah. Yeah. And so, of course, like, you know, we don't have to talk too much about it because I know we'll talk about it eventually. We'll be like Kearney and Bonin, but Mm -hmm. Kearney's other nickname um, and the reason that he wasn't, he had completely different M.O., but he was technically the trash bag murderer. Okay. So, because he dismembered and he put people in trash bags. And then Bonin, of course, was part of the freeway murders. He wasn't Mm -hmm. the freeway killer, but he committed the freeway murders. So, yeah. But he never used drugs or alcohol like Kraft did. Okay. So... Well, oh, dang, that was a hell of a case. Yeah, it was. I'm kind of pissed that he's still alive. I know. Key. It literally, it grinds my gears. It does. That's that's wild. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. That was yeah. a lot. And thanks, everybody, for sticking around for our first two-parter. Yeah. I hope it wasn't uh, too, too long of, you know, there's a lot of information. And so we instead of giving you a three-hour-long episode, <laughs> we wanted to break it down into two pa- two parts. And, Never really yeah. talked about his mental status, but yeah. clearly he's got... Um, oh, he's the only got thing that they talked about was maybe, like, maybe signs of, like, if it's CTE or whatever for from his frontal lobe being damaged. Mm, yeah, I think he has narcissistic personality disorder. Probably. he's just a fucking asshole. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, um, personality disorders are so prevalent among killers Mm -hmm. um again not to say that every killer has that and not to say that everybody that has a personality disorder will be uh, be a killer or is a killer however that is the in the spectrum of personality disorders is the most prevalent among uh, among killers and stuff that commit crimes it definitely seemed that there was a definite like switch that happened somewhere Mm -hmm. and like we didn't really get to see any of that or know about any of that it was, you know, he, he was militant, he was conservative, yeah. he was, you know, it was very black and white, and then he just kind of, like, like I said, like, a flip switched, mm-hmm. and then it was like, okay, well, now I'm liberal, I work in a gay bar, I am a serial killer. Yeah, and it's you know? like, I mean, it's not mentioned if he did, but maybe he suffered a TBI in the military, or maybe he had some traumatic brain injury as a kid, and right. you just don't know about it, and that That's what I'm unfortunately thinking. can cause a lot of Mm -hmm. um, damage to that frontal lobe and and mental crisis later in life. Especially if you grow into it. Like, if you had brain damage when you were, like, in high school or even Mm -hmm. in college, and then you grow, but this part isn't developed. Like, I say this part, like, you guys can see. (laughs) I'm pointing to the front of my head, my forehead. But this part doesn't mature with you Mm -hmm. because of the damage. I mean, yeah. That can definitely do something to someone. I am, I don't know about you, but I am very excited to get done with this shit and don't have to think (laughs) about this guy anymore because this case got got me. Yeah. 
It's a hard one. It is. It is hard. Yeah. And I feel for the victims. I feel for the victims' families. Yeah, There's absolutely. so many people affected by absolutely. one person. Absolutely. Well, anything else you got? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, in the Thanks meantime... Thanks for listening to me for two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you did great. You did... Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Diagnosing a Killer. We also do have Twitter at Killer Diagnosis. We are also on Spotify, Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts. We mm-hmm. have a Patreon set up mm-hmm. at patreon.com slash Diagnosing a Killer. And what else? I think that's it. That's it. I think... Uh, oh, email us at diagnosingakiller oh. at gmail.com. Please like email, email us. And I am super happy to announce, uh, I just got a call actually during us recording from my best friend in the world, Zach. And he said that him and his wife, Aaron's show got approved and I, they are wanting to hire me as a freelance writer for their Snapchat show about true crime. So I'm really excited about that. As soon as I have more details, of course, I will put all of that on here so that you guys can listen to that. And then, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Sounds good. I'm excited for you. That's (laughs) great. Well, in the meantime, we'll come out with another mental breakdown. Thanks yeah, for listening see to you guys us. on the mental breakdown. All right, love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.